The following message entitled, The Powerful Secret to Loving Others, Part 3 of the series, Joy Inexpressible, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 25th of November, 2012, at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Bob is speaking in Pittsburgh this morning. He's uh, giving the pastor in Pittsburgh, Mike Pearson, a break. So let's pray for Bob. He's probably about ready to start his message. Father, thanks for Bob being willing to go down to Pittsburgh this morning. And we pray that you would use him powerfully, Lord, to bless that church. Lord, anoint him with your Holy Spirit and use him, we pray. Lord, we pray that You just build that church up, strengthen them, add to their numbers, just cause them to grow. And we pray You would bless Mike Pearson and his family, Lord. Give them just a great break. And we thank You. And Lord, help us this morning too. Please, pour out Your Spirit on us as we hear Your Word. And change us by the power of Your Word and Your Spirit. We ask for Your help, Lord. We ask You to open the eyes of our heart and show us wonderful things in Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning's message is called The Powerful Secret to Loving Others. The Powerful Secret to Loving Others. When, when Jesus apprehended me, I thought that Christianity was mainly about quitting things like getting drunk and cursing and starting to do things like go to Bible study and singing praise songs. And what I didn't realize is that Jesus commands something much more difficult than those things. And those things can be difficult to, to do. But Jesus commands us to love others. When God saves us, He adopts us into a family. It's not just me and Jesus. God calls us not only to love Him, but to love our brothers and sisters. Now this is great when you're as lovable as I am, but not, not all of us are so easy to love. I'm just kidding if you don't know me. Um, God calls us to love others with all their quirks and failures and shortcomings, and He calls us to love each other deeply and sincerely. Have, have you ever discovered how hard this is to do? We want, we want to love others. Deep down, we do want to love others. If you're, if you're born again, God has put this into your heart. And, and I, I know that as a church, we want to love others. But it is so hard at times because we're still sinners even though we have a new heart and a new power and the Holy Spirit is helping us overcome sin, we still struggle against sin. We are still, in one sense, sinners. And we are sinners who have to love other sinners. And it's hard enough even for Christian husbands to love Christian wives at times. It's hard for Christian parents to love their kids at times. So... How hard is it then when you have to love a guy named Rodney who likes the Gaither band? You have to love, 
You have to love a hipster kid in skinny jeans and, and a girl with purple hair and this old guy who wears a bolo tie and tells stories about being in the Hurricane Forest in World War II all the time. I mean, we're just all so different. And yet we're called to love one another earnestly from the heart. But God doesn't leave us unequipped. He doesn't give us a job and, does, and then say, go out and do this job with no tool belt. He, he gives us all we need to do all He commands us. And so that's what Peter talks about this morning. He gives us a tool that will help us love our most challenging brothers and sisters deeply and sincerely. So let's look at 1 Peter 1, beginning at verse 22. 1 Peter 1, 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you. So God calls us as Christians to change and to grow. The Christian life is not about saying a prayer and getting saved and then just staying the same. He calls us to grow and to become more and more like Jesus. And He fills us with His Spirit and the Spirit begins to do this in us. And part of that growth is loving others. Not, not just externally, not outwardly only, but from the heart. And God does not expect us to do this by our own power. Otherwise, we would fail miserably. If, if I had to love others by my own power because I'm so selfish, so self-centered, I would fail miserably. But I have hope because God gives us power to love. And so, first of all, Peter gives us this command from God which is love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Sincere, heartfelt, unfeigned, honest love. He says love one another deeply, wholeheartedly, from a pure heart. Not hypocritically. Not for what we can get out of it. So how do we do this? How can we love others who are like us, flawed, imperfect, warts and blemishes, so many difficult things to love. Peter says, we can love because of what God has done in us. And so first of all, he says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. When we heard the truth and Later on in this passage, at the end, he says, and this Word is the good news that was preached to you. When we hear the truth, when we hear God's Word of all that He has done for us through Jesus, 
when we hear that truth and believe it and respond to it and turn away from our sins and turn to Jesus in faith and trust Him and begin to obey the truth, which Jesus said you must repent and believe. And so when we turn from our own selfish rule and and begin to believe in Jesus and repent of our sins and follow Jesus as our King, something happens. Our souls are purified. Our souls are washed by the blood of Jesus. God declares us to be justified in His sight. Innocent as if we had never sinned and as if we had always obeyed. That's how God sees us. And He imputes that to us. Our souls are purified. And what is, what is it that causes our souls to be purified? It is our response to the Word of God. It is our response. It is beginning to obey and believe the truth. And as we, as we turn to Jesus, as we respond to His Word, our souls are purified. And what is God's purpose in purifying us? I just found this sentence of Peter so interesting. He says, "...having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love." God purifies us so that we'll love others. He doesn't purify us just strictly for ourselves. Just, wow, God has cleansed me. That's so great. I can stand before Him and He accepts me in Jesus, which is true. But He says, He purified you, having purified your souls, for a sincere brotherly love. We're purified to love. And so then Peter gives us the command to love others and he reminds us that we have the power to keep that command because we've been changed. And so he says, having been purified for this purpose, loving others, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. And so, he says, here is the reason you can do this. Not because you have this great love in your heart, in and of yourself, this power to love others. No, you can do this because you've been born again by the Word of God, the imperishable Word of God. A change has happened to you. Something incredible has happened to you. You are not the same person you used to be. You've been born again. We were dead in our sins at one time. Dead. No desire to change. No ability to change. And then God in His incredible power, the Word of God invaded our dead spirits and infused us with life. And we were born again. No Human being has this kind of power. It is divine power. It is God's power that causes us to be born again. I can't make anybody be born again. I don't have that kind of power. There is nothing I could do to bring someone who is dead spiritually to life. Nothing I can do by my power except share the Word of God with them plant that seed, that imperishable seed. We have been born 
Again, Satan doesn't have that kind of power. Angels don't have that kind of power. It is divine power. You, If you are born again, if you are a Christian who loves Jesus, it is because God Himself said, let there be life in you. Just like He said, let there be light. And light stood forth in the beginning of the creation. Isn't that amazing? God Himself injected you with life by His Word. He has caused you to be born again. Now, Peter calls the Word of God seed. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. The Word of God is often compared to seed. Jesus said in one of His parables in Mark 4, He said, a sower went out to sow the seed. And when He explained it, He explained it and said, the, the seed is the Word of God. And it falls on different kinds of soils. And when it falls on a soil that God has prepared, a heart that God has prepared and is ready for the Word of God, then that seed, that imperishable seed, will begin to work. And it will bear fruit. It will sprout up and change, result in a changed life. But when we share God's Word, when we share the Gospel, Peter says, this Word is the Gospel you heard. When we share the Gospel, just like when we plant seed in our gardens, we don't see immediate results. We don't see it. It it works invisibly. It works under the surface. And so, just as an encouragement, Don't be discouraged if you share Jesus with someone, if you talk to someone about Jesus, and they don't seem to immediately respond. I've I've talked to people at times, I've shared with them, and their faces look like they're made out of granite. I have no idea. But later on, I've found out that God used that, not just me, but others sharing the seed of the Word of God. And later on, I find out they were born again. You cannot go by what someone looks like. Let me, let me just encourage all you moms and dads, as you are sharing God's Word with your children, as you're getting up and trying to do this in the morning, some of you, before, before school or whatever, don't be discouraged if it doesn't seem like nothing's happening or anything's happening. Don't, don't be discouraged. I, I can remember so many times where my kids would be like, Falling asleep, and I'd be saying, Stephen, wake up! Stephen, Stephen, sit up, sit up. You can't lay down during devotions. Come on. I'd be sharing the Word of God at the, at the table, and they're so distracted. Or I, I can remember, and I, I've told you this, <laughs> but I, I love repeating myself. And since I'm an old man, I get to do that. We were having our devotions once. <laughs> I'm trying to get going and our dog Bella comes into the middle of the room and squats down in a position like she's going to start going to the bathroom. I said, Bella, Bella, no! And I throw the Bible at her. Now, I, I could have been very discouraged as my kids were growing up because it didn't very often look like anything was happening. But the Word of God is a seed. That is an imperishable seed. It's not a perishable seed. And it will bear fruit. It is, Peter says, he calls it the living and abiding Word of God. Is there any other Word that exists on earth that is living 
and abiding, a living Word, this Word of God is living. It's powerful. It's abiding. It's eternal. It will have results. Are any of the books in the Oprah Book of the Month Club living and abiding? No. Are any books the most brilliant treatises on philosophy and psychology, can they cause someone to be born again? No. They might be helpful, but they are not in the same category or league or even, even in the same universe as the Word of God. The Word of God is abiding. This means eternal. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but My words will never pass away. The, the, the mighty kingdoms of, of Rome and Egypt and Babylon are gone. Someday the United States will be gone. It will be. Someday all the great companies of the world will perish. Google will not exist. Facebook will be gone. Sorry to have to tell you that. You're not going to be able to photograph your desserts anymore. Put them on the internet. Someday... Apple will perish. Someday the Internet will be a thing of the past. Someday there won't be any more Amazon. All is going to go away, but the Word of God is living and abiding. And it's, an, it's a powerful Word. It's in, imperishable. Now why does Peter tell us this? What does this have to do with loving others? Well, first of all, the Word of God changes us. But it's so powerful, it changes us and gives us the power to love others. But then he goes on, and you might say, Peter, where are you going with this thing? He says in verse 24, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. Now when Peter says all flesh... All flesh is like grass. He's talking about human beings. And he's saying all of the power of human beings, all of the might of human beings is like grass. All its glory like the flower of grass. All these great things in the world are going to pass away. He says the grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. So it is by the power of the Word of God in our lives that we can love others. It is by the power of God's Word working in our lives. We cannot do a thing that God asks us or commands us in our own strength. But the Word of God works in us. We are weak and insignificant, but the Word of God is eternal and imperishable and mighty and able to transform our lives and accomplish change. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says this, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of man, but as what it really is, the Word of God, which is at work in you believers. When, when, when you come in here on Sundays, when we come in here, 
and we listen to preaching. When, when we have time with God in the morning and we're reading His Word, or, or any time during the day, and we're reading His Word, we're doing more than just reading. We're doing more than just hearing human words. It is the Word of God and it works in us. It does something in us. It changes us. It will change your life. If you are regularly taking in the Word of God and believing it and trying your best to respond to it, it will change your life. You will be able to obey God more and more. You will increasingly love others. You will increasingly put sin to death. If you neglect the Word of God, you will really be missing out. Because the Word of God works in us. It's an imperishable seed. And as we take it in, it will grow in us. And change us powerfully. And Peter says, this is the good news. You know, this is, this is the Gospel. It's, this, it's the story of all God did through Jesus. But it's the whole Bible. It's the whole Word of God. So all change begins with the Word of God. And especially the pursuit of love. And so when he says, now Peter, Peter's case is this, because of all God has done in you in the past, because you have been born of the imperishable Word of God, because this Word of God is not like the strength of men that fades like the grass, because this Word of God abides forever, and this Word of God changes you, and because you received this Word of God, you now love others. You can do this. And so he says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So how are we to love? How are we to pursue loving others? First of all, with a sincere brotherly love, earnestly from a pure heart. God doesn't merely change our outward actions. He says it's not good enough for you to act like you love somebody. It's not good enough for you to just smile at them and nod and be friendly towards them, but on the inside you say, I can't stand that guy. I can't stand this guy. Lord, get me away from this guy. No. If, if, you're, if you're talking to someone and there is something in your heart and you, just, you don't like this guy, you don't want to talk to this guy and he's a brother in Christ... You need to be praying silently, Jesus, help me to love this brother or this sister sincerely from the heart. Help me, Jesus. Because it's a brotherly love. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an honest love. It's not hypocritical. It's a, it's a family love. Because he says we are to love one another with a brotherly, a sincere brotherly love because we're family. We are blood brothers and blood sisters. We're related through the blood of Jesus. He's adopted us into His family. We all know how family ties are supposed to be. Unfortunately, sin gets into families. Messes things up. 
But in our minds, we think, oh, the, you know, the best kind of times are when my whole family is together and everybody's loving each other, everybody gets along good. Well, the church is family. We're to love one another with a family love, an earnest love. He says, earnestly, from a pure heart, wholeheartedly. Because of what God did in the past, now love like this. So, so that's the positive side. We're supposed to love. And we, can, we, we need to pray. If there, if there are people that you're in strained relationships with, pray about that. Pray for them. Ask God to help you love them. And then the flip side of the positive love is getting rid of something. And so in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Notice, every one of those is a relational sin. Every one of those things has to do with relationships. You can't have malice just by itself. You have malice or ill will toward another person. You, you can't have deceit and hypocrisy without other people around. If you're a hypocrite, it's because you're acting or saying one thing to other people and then acting differently by yourself or in other circumstances. Envy is a relational sin because you want something someone else has or you're not happy someone else has something. And slander, obviously, is relational. So, we have to rid ourselves of these things. And most, many of them start in our thoughts. Malice is ill will. So God says, I'm not even going to let you... It's not enough that you just act on the outside. You have to come to Me and get My help and by My power and by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God and by praying and, and obeying Me, you have to even cleanse your thoughts about other people. I don't even allow you to have bad thoughts towards others. Can't have anger in your heart towards others. God says get rid of it. Get rid of all deceit and hypocrisy. We need to be honest with one another. Walk in the light together. Not be trying to hide things from each other. We don't live one way outside a church and then act another way when we're together with God's people. Get rid of hypocrisy. We shouldn't act one way to a person's face and another way behind their back. We, we need to get rid of all envy. This is a hard one. Envy is a hard one. Isn't it? We, we live in the most blessed country on the face of the earth and we still can be envious of what others have. I'm tempted to envy, and God has blessed me incredibly in lots of ways. But God says, get rid of it. Pray about it. Make an effort to rejoice when I bless others. Say, thank you, Lord, for blessing that other person with this thing that I don't have. Thank God when He promotes someone above you. Jeez, these are hard, aren't they? But we can do it because we've been born again of God's imperishable Word. 
And that Word is working in us. We can do this. We can put these things to death. We can be different. We don't have to be slaves to envy. We can change. We really can because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And so, he says, do all this. And the way we change is by continuing to long for the Word of God. And so he says in verse 2, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so he comes back. The pure spiritual milk is the Word of God. And so can you see how Peter is coming back again and again to the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And so he says, be like newborn infants. He doesn't say, he doesn't say be immature like a newborn infant just kicking and crying when you don't get your way. He says, be like a newborn infant in this. They long for milk. They're hungry. They're longing. He says, be like an infant in having this longing for the Word of God. God's milk of the Word because by the Word you may grow up into salvation. So what is he saying? He's saying, here's how you change. Here's how you become mature. Here's how you become more and more like Jesus Christ. Here's how you're able to put to death envy and malice and ill will. Here's how you're to be able to love one another sincerely by Constantly taking in, longing like a thirsty infant for the pure milk of the Word of God because it will cause you to grow up in salvation. Into salvation. He says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So he says, you, you have. You've tasted that the Lord is good. You've tasted God's Word. Now keep longing for it. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. Maybe some of you have kind of drifted in, in, in the Word of God. You, ha- you don't read it regularly. You, you used to read it maybe regularly. But now yeah, maybe it's once a week or maybe it's less than that. Let me just encourage you. We need the Word of God. I need it. We never get to a place where we outgrow our need for it. Try to find some regular time to take in the Word of God on a regular basis. Some of you, it might be best in the morning. That's when it's best for me. It's the first thing I do because once the day gets started, there's just so many distractions, I'll never get back to it. But some people, they're too, too sleepy in the morning. Maybe a better time for them to read the Word of God is, is in the evening. But try to find times where you can regularly take in the Word of God or listen to the Word of God. So many different ways to take it in because it will produce maturity and we will taste the goodness of the Lord in His Word more and more. He says, keep longing for the spiritual milk if you've tasted that the Lord is good. We've all tasted that if we've been born again. But God says, keep longing because there's more good tastes. I love this verse from Jeremiah 15:16. Your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy 
and the delight of my heart. For I am called by Your name, O Lord, God of hosts. See how it progresses? Your words were found. And then I ate them. I took, I took them in. And then Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. And so, we taste and see that the Lord is good as we take in His Word. His Word becomes a delight. It becomes the joy of our hearts. And as we take in God's Word, we become more and more like Christ. So that by it, you may grow up into salvation. And as we grow up into salvation, as we grow up into what Jesus has, has done, we become like Jesus. And who loves sincerely and without hypocrisy and without any kind of stain? Who loves any more purely than Jesus? No one. And as we grow up into salvation and maturity in Christ, we will be able to love sincerely from the heart like Peter says. And so, the command to love that Peter gives us is based not on our own strength, but he, he says you can do this because of what God did in the past when He caused you to be born again of His imperishable Word. And you can do this as you keep longing for the Word of God like newborn infants and keep taking it in and tasting that the Lord is good. You will love sincerely from the heart. So let's stand and let's pray. Lord Jesus, first of all, thank You your imperishable word. Lord, we pray for nations that don't have your word. Let your word, let your gospel, let your word go forth into all the world, Lord. Pray that you would please let your word go to places where people have never heard it. Lord, bless every organization, every missionary, every person who's taking your word into another country to hear it. We thank you that you let us hear it, Lord. And I, I just pray that anyone here, Jesus, who has not yet turned to You and believed in You after hearing Your Word today, that You would cause them to do that, Lord. That they would be born again. We thank You, Jesus, that You caused us to be born again. Gave us new life and new power. And now, Lord, we just ask You to help us to live this out. Help us to love one another sincerely with a brotherly love and to put to death every kind of malice, every kind of envy and hypocrisy. Lord, do this in our church. Do this in every church in this town. Do this because we, we want You to be glorified. It will glorify You, Lord, if You do this in us. Lord, give us also a hunger for Your Word. Please increase my hunger. Please increase our thirst for Your Word, we pray. Lord, we need Your help. We drift so easily. Increase our thirst. In Jesus' name, Amen.